Well, it's always a real privilege and honor to talk to my good friend, John Tamney, uh, who is, of course, a prolific author, a uh, an economist extraordinaire, and a prophetic voice in the world of uh, economics in general. And uh, I've read every book, if not uh, twice, at least once and a half, but most of them twice and a half. Popular economics, who needs the Fed, the end of work, they're both wrong when politicians panicked. And now the latest one just out, money confusion. John, welcome to the program. Long time no talk. I know. Uh, thanks for having me on, Randy. I appreciate it. Hey, so um, this has been a, a one of the most turbulent times that I remember in my life in terms of the economy and the anxiety with uh, you know, people struggling to make ends meet with the cost of things just going crazy um, and talk of it getting worse, not better over the winter with the, you know, heating and heating expenses up. Um, can you can you help from your perspective diagnose what's going on and um, maybe that as an intro into why we're here I know you've criticized the Fed <laughs> tremendously you wrote a whole book about it are they responsible is it Joe Biden that's responsible was it Donald Trump and his administration and uh, the Congress and the CARES Act what's responsible for all of this carnage well, yeah, this is when all the when some of the listeners get really mad at me, but I think what's responsible for this is not the Fed. I, I think what we're suffering the bitter fruits of is what happened in twenty and twenty twenty and twenty 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 one. What did the Midwest teach us economically uh, roughly a hundred years ago? It taught us that when specialized work, when workers can divide up work, they can make what's incredibly expensive, the automobile very cheap and accessible for everyone. And so what we learn is that the miracle of low prices is born of everyone doing what they're best at and working together. Well, so what did politicians do in 2020? They robbed us of our freedom. It was illegal to go to work. It was illegal to operate your businesses. You had politicians literally saying, if you open your business, we will shut off electricity to you. Well, so overnight you had basically hundreds of years of progress stopped and all these sophisticated relationships among workers stopped and then they gave us our freedom back. Okay. But you can't expect prices, the miracle of prices that prevailed before this hideous taking of freedom to just switch back on. It's going to take a lot of time to get back to where we were. So our price is higher. Yes. Is this inflation? No. The taking of freedom is not inflation. All right. So it's, yeah, this is all, this goes back to the basic realities of the market. And it seems like as I read and everything you write and talk to you and look at your Twitter feed and everything, it's, it appears as though that no matter what human beings in influential and authoritative position try to do, namely government officials and regulators and Congress people and presidents, um, the market ultimately will determine the outcome by because of market rules and human behavior. In the intro to your latest book, Money Confusion, you talk of you talk about monkeys and macaws and an experiment. Maybe we ought to talk about that, about support for your reality of human behavior in markets. Well, monkeys are like us in that life is about the getting, right? Uh, monkeys are trying to survive. And in monkey societies or in monkey troops, uh, there is a leader. And the leader gets to the top by exhibiting violence against other monkeys. 
the monkey at the top in the in the book in my book is is a female. It's it's rare in history, but a female got to the top by beating up her mother and by beating up the toughest male in the troop. That's how you get in primitive societies. In our world, how do you get? You get rich by serving others, by meeting the needs of others, by dividing up work. And so money is this beautiful measure that allows each of us to say, I'll do this and and I'll do this and get from you while, while you do what you do best. And so when money is corrupted, when its value changes, the natural way in which we humans, rather than beating each other up to get things, actually divide up work to get things and serve each other is, is, is wrecked to varying degrees. And so it's a reminder of how important money is. Money is what binds us. It allows us to work together on the way to amazing plenty. We seem to be in a time of transition from a government-defined currency, namely the dollar in America, and around the globe still, until I guess the Chinese currency becomes the dominant one, I don't know, or the crypto, but the crypto was supposed to be the darling of, of uh, you know, the, the, new, the new way to do business and to measure what the value of what we do for one another and protect uh, our transactions from the government. Lots of good said on the libertarian side of the, of the ledger for, for the crypto. And man, everyone was investing in it like crazy. I know a lot of people made a lot of money in those markets and then they lost a lot of money when the bubble popped. That's a focus of your book. Can you explain where crypto has come from and where it's going? Is it here to stay or not? Well, I think it is a natural reaction to what's true and what's described in the book. Governments, as long as they've been involved with money, have been devaluing money. And in devaluing the money we earn, they've been shrinking the value of our work. They've been taking us from us the fruits of our labor. We get less in return for our work because they they shrink our currencies. And so crypto is a natural market response. It hasn't replaced money yet. But I think in time it's going to. And why? Because governments have always shrunk money. Whereas if Amazon issues a private currency, if Amazon shrinks your money, you'll never use Amazon again. You'll say, you robbed me. I'm not coming back to you. I'm going to use target money from now on. And so private sector issuers of, quote, money, because all money is is an agreement about value among producers. There's greater odds that private money is going to push out what, what, what has failed us time and time again. The dollar is the world's currency. But even with the dollar, everyone knows that throughout time, there have been phases where our dollars have purchased less. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm one of the people, John, who feel totally ill at ease. I mean, it's like, it would be as though, you know, maybe you walking into my operating room and saying, hey, I'm going to do this C-section. That's the way I feel about cryptocurrency. And I don't know, you're so, so talented, you'd probably be able to take on a C-section right away, you know, read the book and do the section. But you know what I mean? I, a lot of us are really nervous about it and anxious. And does the book, and I've it's just out, just published. And I've, I've been looking at my Kindle edition while I await the hard copy edition that I've ordered. But, um, and I'm just into it a little bit, but do you, are you able to, to sort of de, um, demystify this and may, maybe make it feel more comfortable uh, is it a primer of sorts for cryptocurrency? And if not, where, how does one get comfortable with that if it's a coming thing? Well, you, you put it so well, because you're so right. I can't do what you do. There's no way I could do what you do. You're specialized. 
And everyone in, in, a, in the modern world get, does something different, and it's beautiful. And money is what allows us to do different things. Of course, my book's a, a, a simplifier because it's not that complicated. And by that, I mean we have supercomputers that sit in our pockets. We have, all the, we have buildings that go nearly a mile into the sky in parts of the world. You think a capitalist system that can do that can also create a trusted measure that will circulate as money? I mean, what is a dollar but an agreement about value? You think capitalists can improve on that? So you're right. Crypto types, just like economists, have made complicated what is basic. Nothing is more basic than money. And that's my argument in the book, is that let's stop over, you know, again, a capitalist system that can put an Apple iPhone in my pocket can easily put money that I will trust and that I will hand to you for medical services. And you'll say, I will take that because I know I can go to Target or Walmart and they will take it and I will get equal value for my work. See, nowadays, you don't know that you're going to get that. It's possible that the dollars I give you, it's possible that the Bitcoin I give you for your services won't be worth as much tomorrow, a week from now, or a year from now. I'm merely saying that gradually private entities are going to replace what we don't trust as much. I see. Okay, so we should keep our eye on it, and as it becomes more widespread and more and more people become comfortable both on the receiving and the giving end of those cryptos and the trading that, uh, you know, that the time will come. Uh, but, and I only have about a minute left. I can't believe where the time's gone. Is it? Are we looking eventually, though, at the potential, like, micro-economies like John Galt and Galt's Gulch, where the producers in society and all the people agree to just, you know, change goods for some kind of a, you know, agreed upon currency in some mythical place in a in a gulch in Canyon in Colorado Canyon. Um, I'm not so much worried about that. I, I think that we're going to see more and more that genius will meet the needs of greater numbers of people. Uh, my I speculation see. is merely that. Um, that private, that capitalism is going to cr- replace government money. And not in some conspiracy, Rockefellers are bad kind of way, but government money's failure over time was that it just didn't always hold its value. And capitalists know how to fix this, and I think we've got the technology to fix it. My guess, I know we're running out of time, is that that's Elon Musk's purpose with Twitter. He sees a, he sees a private money opportunity with what is a global brand, and we're going to see more of that. And that's going to be good for all of us, because when money's trusted, we can specialize. I cannot wait to dig into this book this weekend. I hope everyone else picks it up. It's Money Confusion, number one new release on Amazon with my guest, John Tamney. It's always great to connect. We'll have to do it more often, John. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me, Randy. All right, John Tamney.